0: Let's start with this. You're very clearly speaking from an intellectual perspective. You're trying to approach this consistently. You're trying to approach this with an understanding of the challenges ahead, and you're trying to be sensitive and not harm my work. I appreciate all of that. But you also have to recognize that you're speaking from the luxury of living in, were probably born and raised in, a mature, secular, democratic society. It can sometimes be very hard to make a mental leap and put yourself into the mind of the average Pakistani. I know many Pakistani atheists who, alongside liberal Muslims, are trying to democratize their society from within Pakistan. You and I can have this discussion without fear, but for them such open discussions can result in death.
1: Of course, and I hear from many of these people, I'm well aware that millions of nominally Muslim freethinkers are in hiding out of necessity. This is one of the things I find so insufferable about the liberal backlash against critics of Islam, especially the pernicious meme Islamophobia by which anyone who thinks that Islam merits special concern at this moment in history is branded a bigot. What worries me is that so many moderate Muslims believe that Islamophobia is a bigger problem than literalist Islam is. They seem more outraged that someone like me would equate jihad with holy war than that millions of their co-religionists do this and commit atrocities as a result. In recent days, the Islamic State has been burning prisoners alive in cages and decapitating people by the dozen and gleefully posting videos attesting to the enormity of their sadism online. Far from being their version of the Lai massacre, these crimes against innocents represent what they unabashedly stand for. In fact, these ghastly videos have become a highly successful recruiting tool, inspiring jihadists from all over the world to travel to Syria and Iraq to join the cause. No doubt most Muslims are horrified by this. But the truth is that in the very week that the Islamic State was taking its barbarism to new heights, we saw a much larger outcry in the Muslim world over the killing of three college students in North Carolina, amid circumstances that made it very likely to have been an ordinary triple murder, as opposed to a hate crime indicating some wave of anti-Muslim bigotry in the U.S. This skewing of priorities produces a grotesque combination of political sensitivity and moral callousness, wherein hate crimes against Muslims in the U.S., which are tiny in number, often property-related, and still dwarfed fivefold by similar offenses against Jews, appear to be of greater concern than the enslavement and obliteration of countless people throughout the Muslim world. As you say, even having a conversation like this is considered a killing offense in many circles. I hear from Muslims who are afraid to tell their own parents that they have lost their faith in God for fear of being murdered by them. These people say things like, if a liberal intellectual like you can't speak about the link between specific doctrines and violence without being defamed as a bigot, what hope is there for someone like me, who has to worry about being killed by her own family or village for merely expressing doubts about God? So yes, I'm aware that one can't speak in Pakistan as I do here. This raises an intellectual
0: point and a pragmatic point. Intellectually, I don't accept that there's a correct reading of scripture in essence. Now, you can point to many passages in the Qur'an and in a hadith, and I've certainly read them because I memorized half the Qur'an while a political prisoner, that you would find very problematic, very concerning, and, on the face of it, very violent. But as I've said, to interpret any text one must have a methodology, and in that methodology there are jurisprudential, linguistic, philosophical, historical, and moral perspectives. Quentin Skinner, of the Cambridge School, wrote a seminal essay called Meaning and Understanding in the History of Ideas. This essay addresses the danger in assuming that there is ever a true reading of texts. It asks the question, does any piece of writing speak for itself, or do we impose certain values and judgments on that text when interpreting it? I personally do not use the term literal readings, because this implies that such readings are the correct literal meaning of the texts. I would simply call it vacuous. Similar to the printing press's influence on the Reformation, increased internet access has facilitated a more patchwork, democratized, populist approach to interpreting Islamic texts. Now, the key for me, and this is only the intellectual point, I'll move to the pragmatic in a minute, is that if we accept that texts are, in fact, a bunch of ideas thrown together and arbitrarily called a book, then nothing in a vacuous reading of a text makes it better than other interpretations. The question is, Do we accept a vacuous approach to reading scripture, picking a passage and saying this is its true meaning regardless of everything else around it, or do we concede that perhaps there are other methods of interpretation? It comes down to our starting point. If one were to assume that a correct, unchanging reading of Islamic scripture never existed and that, from inception to now, it has always been in the spirit of its times, then the reform approach would be the intellectually consistent one. Indeed, we would expect it to be the majority view today. This approach stands in opposition to that of the very organized, vocal, and violent minority that has been shouting everyone else down. If, on the other hand, we start from the premise that the vacuous reading was the original approach to Scripture, then the reform view stands little chance of success. There may be no answer here. I don't think this question has been resolved when it comes to interpreting the U.S. Constitution, or Shakespeare, or indeed any religious Scripture. So, pragmatically speaking, what can be done? If somebody in Pakistan were to raise with me the issues you have raised, they could be killed. In such a stifling atmosphere, what is the solution? I don't want our listeners to think that all Muslim-majority countries are the same. For instance, in the middle of Ramadan, in 2014, Turkey witnessed a gay pride march. A sensible way forward would be to establish this idea that there is no correct reading of scripture. This is especially easy for Sunnis, who represent 80% of the Muslims around the world, because they have no clergy. If a particular passage says, smite their necks, to conclude, despite all the passages that came before it and everything that comes after it, that this passage means, smite their necks today, is to engage in a certain method of interpretation. If we could popularise the understanding that all conclusions from scripture are but interpretations, then all variant readings of a holy book would become a matter of differing human perspectives. That would radically reduce the stakes and undermine the claim that the Islamists are in possession of God's words. What is said in Arabic and Islamic terminology is, this is nothing but your ijtihad. This is nothing but your interpretation of the texts as a whole.